Hey, everyone, and welcome to We Gotta Talk. If you're new to the show, this is an issues-based podcast for curious people who want to see both sides of the story. I'm Sunny, an Emmy-nominated and AP award-winning TV journalist whose true passion in life is asking questions, talking to literally anyone about really anything. Join me each week as we dig in on one topic from every angle and walk away with a new perspective that just might change your life. Now... Let's talk. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this um, special edition of We Gotta Talk. I'm so, so excited about today's episode, which is the third in a three-part series that we released over the past two weeks, specifically about COVID. As many of you know, um, I'm located here in Florida, which is um, the hotspot for COVID. Unfortunately, we've been seeing just a tremendous number of cases. And today, I'm so honored that we are joined by Dr. Ashley Hill, who is the medical director of Advent Health's Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology. In short, he is the person you want to hear from if you have any questions whatsoever about pregnancy and COVID. So Dr. Hill, thank you so much for talking to me today. Sonny, it's always good to talk with you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. This was short notice. You know, I realized the need for this kind of information, Dr. Hill. I have relatives in various parts of the country. And as always, Florida has the dubious distinction of sort of leading the country in some of these um, less than desirable milestones when it comes to COVID. So you specifically are dealing with pregnant women and um, to an extent seeing babies and how they're impacted by this virus. I have asked this question to both the speech pathologist and the ER nurse that I interviewed because I feel like it's the most impactful way to talk about this right now. How bad is it from your viewpoint? So you mentioned we were from Florida. I've lived here over 30 years. I've been through dozens and dozens of hurricanes. So for the last year and a half, I would consider COVID a tropical, in terms of pregnancy and in terms of my practice, all right, uh, a, a tropical depression, a tropical storm, it is now a category four, a category five. It is terrible. It's, it is heartbreaking. And I, um, um, another way to explain this is for the last year and a half or so of the pandemic, I personally have had many patients with COVID, but only one of those has been on a ventilator, all right? So the other day I took call, I had four patients on the ventilator, right? I had nine patients with COVID in the hospital. So it's, it's, and other places around the country are reporting a record number of pregnant ladies on ventilators or in the intensive care unit. So this has become a really, really, really huge thing for us. Yeah, it's unfortunate. And, and I have been asking medical professionals to provide a, a picture for us, if there was an impactful story or an interaction you had with a patient that might really um, help us help illustrate for us what it's like to go in and see people suffering with this. I think the benefit of perspective in your case is tremendous. So of course, without revealing anything overly personal, or do you care to share any particularly impactful experiences you've had? Well, I would. So let me let me back up just for a second. So one of the most um, amazing things, and I love my job. I pick the best job in the world. I, I, I will challenge anybody. I've got the best job. Um, I love my patients, my, the, the things I get to do every, do to every day to help people. It's just fantastic. But I had something after 28 years of practice and 30 years of delivering babies that happened the other day that was actually one of the most impactful things I've ever had happen in my career. And it still affects me. It's, it's very bothersome. I will leave this out by saying that the ending ends well, okay? Um, okay. So please don't anyone, you know, don't, this shouldn't be a trigger for anybody. It, it isn't, the ending does end well. So we had a, a patient, and I'm going to say she's, um, you know, 27, 28 weeks pregnant, which you could say six or seven months pregnant. Some people would say it that way. Um, baby's very small, you know, a couple pounds. She's in the intensive care unit, not vaccinated, which is important. 
um, before they put the tube in her throat because her, the virus had affected her lungs, she said, I wish I had had the vaccine. I wish I, I had received the vaccine. And they said, ma'am, we're very sorry. So the, the doctors and the nurses and the respiratory technicians put the tube in her throat, paralyzed her, put her in a coma. You have to do that. You can, and then they, they, we monitored the baby. So we have an entire team taking care of this lady and the team was doing a phenomenal job. So I'm, I'm on the labor unit and I'm checking on my ladies and I get called stat to come to the intensive care unit. So I ran uh, down the hall to the ICU with my team and the doctor there, a very nice man said to me, um, uh, we're gonna try to turn her over on her stomach. And if that doesn't work, she's probably going to die and you're gonna have to take the baby right here in the intensive care unit. And then and we know not even time to go to the operating room. We don't deliver, we don't do surgery in hospital beds. We do them in operating rooms. So I took the scalpel in my hand and I was ready and we were ready and the whole team was ready. And thankfully, just it was like watching. Uh, I, I don't know how to even describe it. The the uh, the 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 monitor would show that the oxygen levels were just slowly coming up, slowly coming up, slowly coming up. And he looked at me, and I looked at him. And I said, "Just wait two or three more minutes." So I imagine there's a whole team outside of the ICU ready to go, ready to come in and do the surgery. And I held my hands up and I said, "You know, ten minutes. Give me ten minutes. All right." And and as the the oxygen levels came back up again. We breathed a sigh of relief and I, I thanked him very much, thanked the team and, and we left. We had to do that five other times with this lady. And finally, after two and a half weeks on a ventilator, I'm, I'm happy to say she, she is off the ventilator. Now, I, I don't know how she will do, you know, her lungs may be damaged, I don't know any of that part, but, but we did end up having to take her baby early. And those are the decisions that we are making in the hospital now. And I, I'm 99, 97 to 90% of the patients who, who this is happening to are not vaccinated. And you said that patient in particular was exceptionally young for as far as COVID risk factors that we've been told, well, she 27. Was, she's young. Well, she, she was 27 weeks pregnant, but she, I can't oh, give okay, you the age, okay. but she was a young, healthy okay. lady. I, I can tell right. you, you know, someone out there might be saying, well, yeah, she's probably got obesity or high blood pressure, diabetes. We are now seeing this in young, healthy, um, fit women. And, and that's a big change from before. What is particularly gnarly about the Delta variant? And you can speak specifically, of course, to the types of patients that you're treating. Um, there, there. This seems to be like a take no prisoners type of uh, strain. Yeah, and I don't know the answer to that from a scientific perspective. I don't know if we know the answer to that as, as to why um, it, it attacks uh, in a more virulent way. I don't know. I don't personally know the answer to that. I know the clinical effects of it are that um, we see lots of people go from the sniffles, a cold, sneezing, they call, they say, I, I'm gonna go get COVID tested. And I said, please go do that. Isolate yourself, you know, wash your hands, all that. Um, and then they call back a couple of days later and say, wow, now my, my lips are kind of blue and I can't catch my breath. And then two or three days later, they're on, on the ventilator, or at least on, in, on oxygen in the intensive care unit. That's very different than what we saw when this whole thing started. Yeah, it's terrifying. I mean, you know, you, you tend to be exposed to the types of content and news that your circles um, are exposed to. And as moms, we're always sharing information. And I will tell you, even from the ground level, there's a level of, of fear about this that is just markedly different from last year. And it's not only because, I mean, it's not only because of what you're saying, it just seems to be impacting everybody in every group in a really much more severe way. I mean, any, I think words of encouragement is the wrong way to word this question, but like, what can you tell people that will give them hope because I know from my perspective, sending children into this world feels, feels very unsafe right now. It, 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 the conversations have changed a lot in the office. Um, so I'll go back to my hurricane uh, example. We, we used to tell people, you know, uh, 
bring in the lawn furniture, just, you know, things will just be a little careful. Now we're telling people to evacuate, get out, right? So it's a big dif- it's a big difference in, in what we're saying. We're now telling everyone, get vaccinated. And uh, all the major organizations, all of them, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, the Society for Maternal Fetal Medicine, the CDC, AATMG, you know, um, Abbott Health, you know, we're all telling people, pregnant ladies, no matter what stage of pregnancy you're in, get vaccinated. If you're thinking of becoming pregnant, get vaccinated, that will help prevent most of this, if not nearly all of it. And the rest of it is the same old things we've been telling people, wear your mask, wash your hands. Um, I'd like to say, I, I, I thought about this the other day when I was making dinner. Um, I think the tendency for people is to wash their hands, you know, these kind of zip, 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 wash their hands. I, I kind of think of it as when you're cooking chicken for dinner, you know, you, you, you <laughs> wash that piece of chicken for like 30 seconds, right? You want to get all the germs off it. Same with your hands. Um, and then socially isolate. Uh, and so I think those are the main things. But I think we can get past this if uh, I guess I'd like to say if you kind of think of it uh, as you know kind of loving your neighbor right uh, caring about your neighbor you know if, if you don't care to wear a mask or you don't care to be vaccinated we live in a country where that's your right to do that but please think about your neighbor and your family and your friends and other people that are in your community and and do those things for them mm-hmm. let's speak specifically to the vaccine hesitant mom um I know we're told you can't even have cold cuts or you could hurt your baby right, you can't right. even- caffeine and it'll hurt your baby. So it is naturally a stretch for a pregnant woman to be told all of a sudden that this vaccine, which also features relatively new technology, at least as far as how it interacts with our bodies. Oh, no, no, it's totally fine. Like I I get why that's a stretch. What information can you provide to sort of prove how safe this is? And I, with the full realization that this is still a relatively new to market shot. Well, my wife and I are both doctors, and our, my, our kids are in college now, um, as of this week, actually. Um, so I, uh, we talked about it. What would we do? And, and I have to be honest with you, when, when the vaccine first came out, we had a lot of conversations about, you know, this is new technology, not, not so much new technology, but it's just a rapidly developed vaccine. Um, right. It's now, as of a few days ago, FDA approved, right? the Pfizer vaccine is FDA approved. So that process is very rigorous. Um, they don't just hand that out to every medicine. It's even got a brand name now. Uh, the, um, it, it is not a live virus, so there's no risk of it infecting your baby. All right. It doesn't change your DNA or the baby's DNA or cause any permanent changes. All it does is set your body up to have an immune response. So we've been doing that. Va- we've been using vaccines for years. Um, and, and we have diseases that most folks, uh, watching probably wouldn't, uh, even as a doctor, I've never treated like polio and other things that were, were nearly eradicated, at least in our country from the use of vaccines. So vaccines are not a new thing. They've, they've been around for a long time and they're effective. Um, we use them in pregnancy. We give uh, something called Tdap, which is for a uh, whooping cough. We give that to pregnant ladies. We give flu vaccine to pregnant ladies every year. I give hundreds, thousands of doses we give out of, of flu vaccines. So I, I think um, for the vaccine hesitant mom, my I trust this vaccine, all right? And if I were a, a mom, I would trust it. Um, there are at least... Well, let's put it this way. There are 150,000 women who have registered on this particular uh, vSafe site, it's called vSafe. Now, that's only the people who have registered. It's probably five times that many who haven't registered. And there's, there, we just haven't seen problems from it. So we're now. So there's no no case that you've seen where a where a pregnant woman, and again, no. speaking purely from personal experience, has had yep. a reaction that's impacted her or her baby. I haven't even seen, knock on wood, an allergic reaction to the vaccine. Now, yeah, I got mine and my arm hurt for a couple of days. It wasn't, right. I couldn't, couldn't exercise for a couple of days. Um, but other than that, 
that's it's just not how it works. It sticks around on your arm. Your body creates um, uh, the you know the antibodies, the, the protection, and then the vaccine just disappears. So um, you know, again, we well, I saw a pregnant lady the other day in my office. She's taking a supplement that I have never heard of. I had, I had to look it up on a search engine, and I and I said this supplement, I, I cannot tell you whether it's safe or not. I don't know anything about it. She said, well, I, I heard somewhere that it helps, you know, keep, keep me, my immune system high for my baby. I said, I can't tell you that. I never, I, there's no research on this at all, but she won't get the vaccine. And to me that I just don't know how to get past that. Yeah. I, oh gosh, I really, really, it's just so touchy. You know, I'm, I'm, in the midst of a, a, a population of women and who, who feel very strongly both ways. I'm vaccinated. My family is vaccinated. I believe that this is the step that needs to happen for my family. But I just, it has become such a difficult thing to talk about because there is a fear that won't go away associated with this vaccine. What you've provided has been really helpful though, as far as information. Now, if I'm listening to a doctor who has seen multitudes of patients, to me, it's enough to hear you say, you know, I've never, I have not even seen a single reaction to it. It's, it's um, heartening to me to hear that, but for some reason there seems to be a wall. Do you attribute that to anything in particular? And we, this doesn't have to turn into a political conversation, but you do, I'm sure, as you're treating women here, many of their concerns and questions when it surrounds this. So what is it that they keep saying to you? I, I, I think it boils down to the individual woman's assessment of her risk of getting COVID, okay? So to put it uh, the other way, um, when, this, when COVID first came out and the vaccine first came out, I had a, a lady in my office who was pregnant and I, and I said, are you gonna get vaccinated? She goes, I'm not sure what to do. I said, well, what do you do for a living? She goes, I'm a nurse on a COVID unit. I said, I will drive you down myself. Let, let's go get the vaccine like stat, right? I mean, she's a, a nurse on a COVID unit. She's super at risk. Another lady, a couple of patients later said, you know, I'm a stay at home mom. I'm a homemaker. I, I, I work, uh, I, have, I have, you know, several children. Uh, how about your partner? Well, my husband, you know, he, he works uh, in, a, in a retail business. I said, I think you should get vaccinated. You mm -hmm. are at risk because he could bring home COVID and give it to you. So the problem I think is that uh, many of the patients that I'm seeing lately with COVID who are unvaccinated, it, they aren't particularly at risk. They, they stay at home or, they, or they're, they're working from home in some capacity, but somebody else brought it to them, right. you know, and that's I mean, the problem. Yeah, the, the insulation is now a myth. Like we, none of us is insulated from this virus at this point. I mean, right, unless we're hermetically sealed alone in our home with no yeah. other human being. I mean, right, isn't, isn't that isolation a total myth two years into this whole thing? I, I don't know how you could be without, obviously going bonkers. I don't, I don't know how you right. could, I, I mean, how many people out there, I, I mean, I have to go to work, I have to see patients, but, but if I had, I guess if I were retired, I'd have, have my groceries delivered. Maybe you could do it but after a while. What, what would that even look like, right? I mean, that's crazy. Right, yeah. I mean, we've, I've had this conversation so many times with friends and family. I mean, it feels impossible that I haven't been exposed at this time. Now, have I ever been symptomatic or diagnosed? No. But I mean, just based on where we are geographically and looking at the numbers and knowing that it's probably underreported as well, right? We're probably not even aware of the, the true scope of this virus. It almost feels inevitable that we've all, at least if we haven't been, are destined to become in contact with this virus. I think I think it, it's it's going to be. So my my daughter the other day uh, asked me about September 11th for a school project she was doing, and she said, "Do you remember where you were?" I said, "I was doing a hysterectomy in the operating room when when I heard about the planes." And she says, "How do you know that?" I said, "Well, you know, honey, people our age, 
you know, adults often remember huge major events in our life. We can tell you what we were wearing and where we were and what, what the weather was like, you know, when, when the space shuttle exploded or when whatever happened. Um, people our grandparents' age can tell you when President Kennedy was assassinated. Mm-hmm. I, I can tell you we're going to remember this forever. This, this is a pandemic. It's a big deal. And so um, it, it, I think the faster we can get past this, and back to our normal lives and 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 the things that we want to accomplish in life and and is going to be critical for this. People are getting fatigued. They don't want to wear their mask. I don't want to wear my mask. I I mean I got to be honest with you, but I do. It's it's part of my job, and I, I feel responsible to do it. But I think a, a lot of folks are getting fatigued by this. And um, I, I did hear the other day someone say to me, "Well, only two percent of people die from this. So what is the big deal? Two percent is not a high death rate." That's not how to look at it. And so I'm going to go one more time, if you'll let me, one more time, back to my storm, you know, analogy or metaphor or whatever. Um, if you told me that 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 only two percent of people die from a hurricane, that doesn't sound too bad. But if if uh, if ninety percent of the homes in Orlando were knocked down, um, then I, I have to say that is dev- that's life changing. That's devastating. So we know that people that get this disease sometimes they have to use oxygen the, probably the rest of their lives. They 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 can't walk up a set of stairs. They they can't uh, go to the gym. Um, uh, you know, go go on a their the, the their lifetime dream trip to Italy. I mean, this is a life changing event for a lot of people. So it's not just the death rate; it's the infection and the risk of of lifelong problems. Right. Let's talk about specifically um, pregnant women and how symptoms are first appearing often in their in their cases. Sure. What can people look out for, and what seems to be specific to that demographic? Well, so the, the good news is that most people that get this are going to do okay. All right. So this, this is I don't I won't I don't want folks watching to think that if they get a, a positive COVID test, it's it's all over for them. They're going to go to a ventilator. That is not the case. Um, the, there there was a study that came out recently that that showed that you're about I think um, six times more likely to go to the intensive care unit and about fifteen times more likely to go on a ventilator if you've got COVID and you're pregnant versus if you're pregnant and you don't have COVID. So those are big differences, but they're still the overall numbers were, were not giant, right? So can I hop in with a quick question there? Is yeah. there some sort of like, is it because like something happens to our lung capacity when we're pregnant or something happens to our bodies that makes us more susceptible to those more difficult symptoms and side effects of COVID? Like, why is that happening? That that we're women are in need of more intense treatments when they have COVID when they're pregnant. So, Sonny, I'm a teaching doctor, and that's a that's a med student resident question. That's a good one. So I like it. So um, I, I, pregnant ladies are, are very different, and they have to be. Otherwise, their body would attack the baby. Okay, so the, mm. your immune system when you're pregnant is just different, and 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 so we know that you're more immune, you're more susceptible to like um, um, certain conditions. For example, uh, chickenpox um, can affect pregnant ladies much worse than non-pregnant ladies. So it's probably immunologic. Um, I, I, I and I don't. I don't know if we really understand. I mean, the, a lot of the immune aspects of pregnancy are still being figured out, but we know that pregnant ladies constitute one of the at-risk populations. So imagine this. Imagine um, um, I'm a geriatrics doctor and I'm taking care of, of um, a senior citizen who's you know, 75, 80 years old, who's got all kinds of medical problems. They're considered at-risk for COVID. So are you if you're pregnant. Wow, it's that right. similar of a comparison. It's that similar of a situation. Yeah. Yeah. You're an at-risk population because of the um, you know, probably the immunologic changes in pregnancy and the effect that the, the disease has. So, so again, it, it, to get back to the original question, if somebody's um, at home and they think they've got COVID, certainly they're they're drive-by testing. You can call and get tested, and and, and that's easy to do. 
and then you know you'll call your healthcare provider and get some advice on how to isolate and whatnot. Um, the main thing is to stay away from other people, stay at home, put, you know, uh, stay hydrated. But you can, of course, at at, at our practice, we have a, a doctor and a midwife on call twenty four hours a day. You can call whenever you want. Uh, but um, if you're feeling short of breath, if your lips turn blue, if you just you know you you get up out of the chair, you walk to the kitchen, you feel like you just you're winded. Those are the times to call because we we you have to have a certain oxygen level in your body. You know, you're breathing for your baby, right? Baby can't breathe, so you're breathing for your baby. And if your oxygen level is too low, not only is it dangerous for you, it's dangerous for your baby. And that's when we put people in the hospital. So again, on call the other night, nice lady called, said I'm I, I've got COVID. I was doing okay. It was just felt like kind of a bad cold, and now I'm short of breath. So she came in and we put her on one of those little oxygen prongs in her nose. She did great. She, no problem. All right. So she she was there for a couple of days, no tube in her throat, no getting paralyzed, no going into coma, no problem, but still scary. And she had to be in the hospital and there's an expense and time and effort and all that to that. Yeah. I mean, gosh, and an additional level of exposure to other things that are, you know, sure. running around hospitals, other bugs. Well, and, and- and part of that is, I worry it's not just the COVID folks. So, you know, um, I thankfully, knock on wood, I'm healthy, but let's say that I have a bad heart attack uh, at work this afternoon and I need to go on a ventilator. There's none left. Right? How is so, it looking right now at Advent? Are you able to say, or do you have hands on numbers of um, how many are left, how many ventilators are available still if they're needed? So, I have to tell you for disclosure, right? I'm, I'm an Advent Health employee, but I will tell you my employer has done a phenomenal job, our leadership team, keeping us up to date on things. We get daily emails, several daily emails. I have not looked at the email today. I cannot tell you uh, where we are in terms of uh, ventilators. There's something called ECMO. Um, ECMO is a uh, an amazing technology where actually they can stop your heart, stop your lungs, and put your body on a, on a machine that, that, that circulates your blood and breathes for you and circulate your blood for you to let your lungs rest and let the antibiotics work. And sometimes, sometimes with COVID patients, we have to use that device. I can tell you around the country, the ECMO machines are, are, are at an all-time high capacity for being used for COVID patients. And so if somebody else has a heart problem and needs to go on an ECMO machine, they just die. There's no place for them to go. So the, the societal um, risk from this uh, extend past just you and I getting this disease. It's, it's, it's deeper than that. Sure. Um, are you able to assess based on the patients that you've either personally treated or seen the percentage of women, pregnant women who are vaccinated receiving treatment in hospital versus the percentage of women who are unvaccinated receiving that type of treatment? Nationally, it's around one in five are vaccinated, but it's going up now in part because of discussions like this, um, and which is great, and I appreciate it. Uh, but I would say we're probably a little higher than that. Um, I'm very honored to take care of a lot of healthcare providers in my practice. My partners and I take care of a lot of doctors, nurses, um, sonographers, technicians, respiratory therapists, and they have a very high vaccine rate because they're firsthand seeing what's going on. So um, I'd say we're, we're higher than that, but I can't give you an exact number. Okay. Um, anything pregnant women should be specifically asking their doctors, midwives, care providers about that might, aside from the vaccination itself, that might help keep an eye on potential symptoms or other things they need to monitor. I, I would say, Sunny, to to have that risk assessment, to talk about it, and and to and to go over things. Um, you know, our, our job, what we've given our really dedicated our lives to do, is to help keep people healthy, and when they get sick, to make them healthy again. 
And I, I you know, your doctor, your midwife, um, you know, your, your, your nurse practitioner, your PA, they're, they're going to have an honest discussion with you about this um, and tell you, you, you know, looking at your risk factors, should you be vaccinated or not? I think every pregnancy should be vaccinated. And, and I want to ask, add one more part to that. There's a rumor that um, I somehow went viral, I don't know how, that um, the vaccine causes infertility, uh, can cause miscarriages. There's no evidence of that at all. Um, there's none. I don't know where it started, but you know how that goes. Sometimes things just take off. Um, well, that's what I wanted to ask you too, because I, I, you know, as people kind of segue in and out of this, they're catching different bits. Um, it's got to be emotional on some level for you, someone who's dedicated their life to science and medicine, to not only try to keep up with the influx of patients that you're treating, but also battle the sort of political and societal uh, arguments that are no doubt challenging you every day. And this is not to say, you know, I'm a big advocate of listening to your body and listening to your intuition and, you know, personalized treatment for people. And maybe what's good for me isn't good for you. I get that. But it's got to be kind of challenging in a lot of ways to navigate these conversations without just being completely emotional on your part and your colleagues' parts. Well, I don't, I don't know, Sonny. I'm not sure that's true. And I'll tell you why. We get that about a lot of healthcare issues. I mean, people all the time do things um, that maybe aren't safe for themselves uh, medically. You know, my, my, my doctor for the last 10 years has said, hey, you could stand to lose a few pounds. And I, I look at him and say, by golly, I'm going to go to the gym tonight. And I do the best I can, but you know, I, I haven't lost many of those pounds, right? So um, people, people with diabetes don't, don't sometimes, you know, they, they don't put the cake away. Um, there are a lot of smokers still smoke. So there are a lot of things that we have a conversation with people and we are very non-judgmental about that. I'm not judging someone. If you don't want to be vaccinated and you're adamant about that, I'm going to treat you the same way. I, it's not going to change the way my partners or I treat you. Um, we just really want you to be and your baby to be safe and healthy. And you're saying, repeating this one more time, because we covered this a little earlier in the interview, anyone who's vaccine hesitant, explain precisely how the vaccine works and why in your belief this is, and bearing out in all of your work, why this is sure. not in any way damaging to either the baby or the mother. So let's just go, let's just go through it one by one. So the first yeah. thing is that, that it was, it was, um, Produced using a technology that that does not do anything to our DNA, the baby's DNA. It doesn't change us in any way. The second thing is it's in your body for a, a relatively short time, and then it dissolves and it sticks around mostly in your arm where you get it. Um, it it's not something that's that's um, getting attached to any part of the baby or the or or the mom in a way that's harmful. Um, the third thing is that there are at least a hundred at least one hundred fifty thousand women who have who have uh, reported their vaccine status and are being looked at for complications, and they're just we're just not seeing anything significant from that. Um, and we also know that that if you if you get the vaccine and you do get COVID, which can happen, I mean that can happen, right? You can you know you can get exposed and you get it. It's much much milder form than if you're not vaccinated. So your risk of of harm and harming your baby and and having a, a C-section and going on a ventilator and dying is dramatically increased if you don't get the vaccine, all right? And then the final thing is um, there may be some, there's some evidence, I, I think, and I, yeah, I don't think we can say um, as much about this as we, as we want to, but that antibodies might get passed over to the baby that might help protect the baby. Yeah, so, gosh, I, I, I've read too many stories recently where you're hearing of 30-year-old mothers delivering and then passing, or I personally know someone who knows someone, and I know, I know this sounds dubious, but it's, it's legit, <laughs> uh, who knows, you know, this woman who's being 
kept alive, but is otherwise like uh, brain dead for lack of a better word, yeah. but her body's being kept alive just so that she can have a healthy baby who can, they can deliver relatively at 40 weeks on time and safe. It's just, you hear that and it's, that just adds a whole another level of concern and sadness. It, it does. And I've, I've been practicing 30 years. I, I, I lost count a long time ago. I'm, I, but I've probably delivered close to 8,000 babies by now. I've been doing this a long time. And, and this is the first time in my life, I've, in my career professionally that I've ever been afraid. And, and it's just, uh, it, it, it worries me because I, every day I see these, these lovely ladies I take care of. They're just such nice people and they come in and I, and I worry about, they're not vaccinated. And I just worry, am I going to get a call in a, in a week or two? They're in the ICU, they're, um, on oxygen, they're very sick. You know, it's, it's just, it, it's really been a struggle. I can imagine. Um, can you leave us, Dr. Hill, before we let you go with any um, advice, of course, in addition to your suggestion about the vaccine, any advice or sense of hope that we as parents, even if we're not expecting at the moment, can sort of cling to to get us through sure. this difficult time? Well, I, I think, like, like I said earlier, if, if we stick together as, as, a, as, a, as a country, as people, uh, as family, friends, people care for each other, if, if, you, if you wear your mask all right, the right way, which is um, you know what? I've got a mask right here. Hold on. I'm going to show you. Okay. So goes over the nose. I'm touching these guys like this. Okay. You can do the nose pinch thing. If you got glasses because I have glasses. They fog up. You can adjust it. Then use hand sanitizer. All right. Which I, I'm at home. I don't have any right here with me, but that's how you do it. This doesn't work. Okay. Because you're, you're yeah. breathing out breathing your nose. nose. I mean, yeah. and, and I don't. This, I don't know what that's all about. That's not going to work for anybody. That's yeah. called when I mean, the kids come home from school. Yeah, they yeah, do. I joke, my son has like a beard. I'm like, ah, oh, just take it off your ears. You're yeah. in the car now. The chin diaper. That's not going to yeah, work. The um, diaper. Yeah, yeah, the chin diaper. Yeah, yeah. The chin diaper. But, uh, um, you know, hand sanitizer is super safe in pregnancy. It doesn't go to the baby or anything and wash your hands a lot and just try to socially isolate. And um, I, I think if you're vaccinated, I'm vaccinated. I'm much less worried about getting COVID now. I might, but I think it wouldn't be nearly as bad. If you're vaccinated, I, I think there's a little more of a sigh of relief. But if you're unvaccinated, please be triple careful. All right. Yeah. Yeah. We're still waiting to get the latest news on whether or not kids, young kids should be getting right. vaccinated too. Right. So I'm sure we'll be knocking down the PR department at Advent at some point yeah. in the near future when that discussion comes to the surface. So yep. um, Dr. Hill, thank you so much for giving us some thank of your you. time today and your knowledge. I really appreciate it. You got it. Please be safe, everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of We Gotta Talk. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, and follow along on Instagram at Sunny Abata, S-O-N-N-I-A-B-A-T-T-A. All of the latest blog posts are at wegotatalk.com slash blog. 